0: Good morning, St. Luke's. Good morning. I love that. My, my, my. Well, if you thought that you were going to get a light, it's all good with God's sermon, think again. <laughs> with the possible exception of evangelism, I can think of no other topic that raises the anxiety meter for Episcopalians than money and wealth. So you will be relieved to know that today I am preaching from the Jeremiah passage (laughs) rather than the Gospel one. Let me hasten to say that I'm not running from the Gospel passage. I think that you know me well enough to know that I am not a timid preacher although I will touch on that reading as I do as I try to do each time I preach I am led and I believe by the Holy Spirit to go outside of that reading to the other readings and to center this time on Jeremiah because Jeremiah speaks more pointedly to what is constantly on our minds, the current social, political, and economic crisis that we are facing. Our country and world seem to be spinning with such terrible news these days that many of us have become numb to tragedies that saturate our news outlets and expect that when And we expect that when we get pinged with a news update, it will be bad news. Seemingly, there is so much bad happening all at once, it is difficult to know what to address. It is enough to put you in a bad mood. It is an unfortunate reality that our Earth seems to be sharing frustration and is convulsing with constant floods, fires, extreme unpleasant temperatures, and unsafe drinking water in Jackson in our highly industrialized nation. These chaotic environmental events mirror what is happening with those around us. Our leaders berating each other, laying the groundwork for the continued rise in gun violence and other violent crimes on God's creation of our fellow human beings. And while some may feel that things have never been this bad in history, if we pause to think of history, our own history here in Atlanta, We will know that this is not true. In 1906, Dr. W.E.B. Du Bois, professor at Atlanta University, wrote about Atlanta following the 1906 race massacre. He writes, a city lay in travail. God our Lord, and from her loins sprang twin murder and black hate. Red was the midnight, clang, crack, and cry of death, and fury filled the air and trembled underneath the stars when church spires pointed silently to thee. And all this was to sate the greed of greedy men who hide behind the veil of vengeance. Bend us thine ear, O Lord." These are just some of the words from Du Bois's poem. In that aftermath, of the often ignored deadly Atlanta race riot of 1906. In fact, my coming here, as much as I am a lover of history and had been professor for 25 years, I was not aware of the 1906 Atlanta race massacre. It happened to be the year that this building that we're sitting in was completed. Like the beginning of the first St. Luke's Church building during the Civil War, this church building began in the middle of racial turmoil that moved throughout the city, a riot fueled by the rhetoric and actions of political leaders and the Atlanta newspaper editors, white supremacist writings, and the unfolded, unfounded claim of black men having sexually assaulted white women. It is a reminder that if we are silent in our time when leaders take to the airwaves, inflaming the citizenry about others taking over and demonizing human beings, whether they be natives of this land or immigrants from another, then we have failed to learn from what happened 116 years ago. And will sustain the sins of the past. And although our former rector, Dr. Cary Wilmer, had his limitations, he made a bold step for that time to meet with a black man, Dr. Du Bois, in this church, drawing criticism from many who thought of him as being too liberal. this Thursday through Saturday, the 22nd through the 24th, will mark that 116th anniversary. And we will join hundreds throughout the city this week with the equitable dinners, one taking place this evening here at St. Luke's. We will engage in conversations about how we move forward. It is a fact that we cannot move forward without remembering the past and learning from it. And though we can celebrate that we no longer live in a legally segregated society, and I'm evidence of that progress, and that we can have a dialogue about how we can do better, we would be sadly mistaken to think that we have overcome if we refuse to look at the stark racial inequities in our neighborhoods, the wealth, education, and all aspects of government and social life. The gospel message that we cannot serve God in wealth is a reminder that our wealth cannot cloud our eyes from seeing poverty and using our resources to feed hungry children or cloud our minds from supporting programs and policies that will create a more equitable society. In our Old Testament reading, the prophet Jeremiah is lamenting. He is grieving something that has happened in his city among his people, but we do not know what it is. Is it a drought, like we've seen in the West? Or is it famine or food insecurity that is experienced by between 10 and 20% of families in our country? Or is it, as biblical scholars note, a combining of two poems referencing the aftermath of those slain in battle as in the Atlanta race riots? where two whites and dozens of black people were killed and hundreds of black people were arrested. It is interesting that this prophet that felt so deeply and had such passion does not name the suffering, but is deeply concerned and troubled. In this elegy, Jeremiah writes, "'My joy's gone, grief is upon me, my heart is sick.'" Listen to the cry of my people throughout the country. And in this moment when there is so much falling apart around him, and after prayer and fasting, nothing has changed, Jeremiah feels and says what many of us have and may be saying and experiencing this morning, God, are you not here? With us. God, are you not here in Zion? God, are you not with me? You may be feeling like Brother Jeremiah this morning. You are feeling like the summer is ended and we are not saved from all the stuff that disrupts our lives broken relationships, constant pain in our bodies, suffering from life to the point in which you may feel despair creeping in. Gilead was a mountainous region east of the Jordan River and is what we know today as Jordan. The region was now known for producing trees, for example, the sap from the mastic tree and other plant life that provided a salve a balm for healing skin irritations and reducing pain. So Jeremiah would have known about the medicinal offerings from Gilead. However, as he is witnessing the devastation of the people all around him, he raises the question is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of my poor people not been restored? Jeremiah cries are so real because he wants to see a change. I hear from you every week that you want change in this world, in our country, that burden us with so much devastation and we are burdened with a war put upon the Ukrainian people that has caused thousands to die. The slaying of poor people and those in Afghanistan, and currently the floods that wreak havoc of Pakistanis. In a similar manner as Jeremiah witnessed the devastation that caused him despair. In the last few years, we've witnessed so much death and desolation. And I hear Jeremiah's voice asking the, us the question Is there a bomb in Gilead? Paul answers in our New Testament reading that for us, it is our faith in Jesus that we find hope to overcome the ills that this life gives us. Paul urges us to turn to God in our prayer lives for more patience and more strength to endure the pain and suffering that come our way. And if Jeremiah were here today, I would answer him that God is in Zion. God makes God's presence known in so many ways around us. We sometimes just don't know how to see that God is showing up. When I consider the progress of this city and church, God is in Zion. When I witness everyday good people, neighbors helping those needing water in Jackson and offering compassion, food, and shelter in Martha's Vineyard, at a moment's notice, God is in Zion. When I can witness the healing of a grieving mother or father over a child, a son or daughter, over the parents in my grief support group that I co-lead with one of our therapists. Jeremiah the Lord is in Zion. It is in this faith that we can hear the old Negro spiritual of the 1800s telling us today that there is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin sick soul and they acknowledge that like us, sometimes they felt discouraged and they felt like their work was in vain, but then they write or they sing, the Holy Spirit revives their soul again. There is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin sick soul. Amen. Amen. Amen.